for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey guys, we are teaming up with Hunter's Box Club this month to give away our newest t-shirt designed for free for the first 100 listeners. All you have to do is cover the shipping. It's $6.99 and you got to click the link in the podcast notes to get that free box. The story behind this design is it is my biggest buck to date. The Great Hambino. If you guys have not seen the video, it's on YouTube. Uh, you can check that out. But that is the antler that you see on the Fall Podcast logo is his antler. It was really unique. There's not another deer like it. It looked like he grew backwards. So it's a really cool story. Really means a lot to me. And it, uh, it's basically something brand worthy in my opinion. So with every box, you guys are going to get the fall podcast exclusive design beer koozie and our measuring tape to tape out your next big deer or elk or mule deer, whatever it might be. The only way to get the free box with the fall podcast t-shirt design is to click the link in the podcast notes. First hundred boxes are free, but you must order before the end of January. So get ordering, support the Hunter's Box Club. They're a great company. We did this last year with them and I can't thank you guys enough. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Fall Podcast. Today is episode number two of One Giant Mistake series, and today is January 10th, 2022, the new year. We're in, did I say 22? You did. January 10th, 2023. Yes. We're second episode into the new year. Can't believe that. Yeah. So today's episode, you know, last week you heard Justin Uran, which if you didn't like last week's episode, you don't have a pulse. Mm. I'm just I'm just saying this right now. You don't have a pulse. Yeah. So today's episode is just a tick down from that episode. I mean, it is right there. Like this episode is really good too. Yeah. It's um from from, you know, before we get into the whole episode, um we got a little teaser alert because it's all been on video yep. somewhat, yep. right? Yep. And so we kind of know the caliber of deer. We kind of know a little bit of the story, but uh, 
man, I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a wild ride on this one. Yeah. So today's guest is Dan Johnson from the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. He's an OG in the podcast game. Uh, I listen to a lot of Dan's podcasts just about every week, actually. Like Dan's been one ever since he was Mark Kenyon's co-host. Like, yeah. I loved those early episodes of him and Kenyon, you know, cutting it up and all that stuff. And and Dan's a good cat. And, you know, when we were when David and I were trying to think of like guests and reaching out to people for this this series, I don't know if David came to me or if I was thinking or it doesn't matter, but he's like, What about shipwreck? And I'm like, Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the legend of shipwreck, the deer named shipwreck. If you guys haven't heard the story, and you probably haven't because it it happened like 12, 13 years ago. Yeah, this was it this, was a while ago. Yeah, this was uh, I can remember watching the uh, the actual DVDs, which probably no one even has a DVD player yep. anymore. But the old White Knuckle Productions with uh, Todd Pringnitz and uh, Dan was a part of those videos, and he was chasing. You know, once again, here we are, uh, deer of a lifetime. You know that that magical two hundred number, and he was um, over years of these videos. He was chasing this buck. Yeah. So the White Knuckle Productions, Todd Pringnitz, the late Todd Pringnitz, are you know rest in peace. Yeah. He, I don't know what year it was. A couple years ago, he passed away. Yep. Um, unexpectedly, you know, in a RV accident yep. and terrible. I got to meet Todd uh, in 2013 at a show. Um, good dude. Yeah. Solid dude. Um, and if you've never seen any of his hunts, you need to go check him out. White Knuckle Productions on YouTube. The guy just is. He's just. A, he's a driven human. Yeah. You, know? you, you couldn't question his passion. No. Yeah, most passionate guy in the outdoor industry that mm-hmm. I've ever met. So, yep. but today's podcast is about Dan that was friend that is friends with Todd. Yep, and did some filming with him. And Dan chases this deer named Shipwreck for four years. Yeah, and he actually I'm not even going to say it. No, nope. don't even want to get into it because I learned of this story probably in 2012 or 13. Um, and I think you even learned about it before me. Yeah. You know, and I just thought it was a good time to bring this story to surface again. Yeah. Because I think it's something, I don't say Dan probably forgot about it, but it was like, I feel like it's something that doesn't get talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, this deer is a legend. Yeah. And this, this was the foundation of what Dan has built today. Yeah. Yeah. And what little bit we know about the story so far, um, I'm gonna guess that it's kind of molded Dan to the person and the sure. hunter he is today. And uh, you know, when we're talking about the kind of caliber of deer, we're talking about North American whitetail magazine cover type of caliber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this deer is well over 200 inches. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was for a couple years. Yeah, um, man, I, right. I I like I just get <laughs> chills thinking about it. You yeah. know, and we've seen. Uh, you can see this hunt on Dan's Nine Finger Chronicles YouTube channel. Um, it was from 2010, I believe, but it, it's just, it's crazy, you know? Yeah. So I don't want to say too much more about it, but I do want to ask David a question. Yep. What's the biggest deer you've ever missed? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Put you on the spot. Um, it's, it wasn't long ago. Uh, what are we in? We're in 2023 now. Mm-hmm. And it was back in 2020. I was actually in the same state of that Dan lives in. Um, 
it, I don't know if I can stomach putting a number on it. I can just tell you it's, it is still to the day the largest whitetail I've ever seen. Dude, I didn't hook. even think about that. What you're you're part of the criteria here. Why aren't we doing an episode about that deer? <laughs> I I just can't put it. I there's there's no history with it. You know, like I've I kind of we'll fall talk in, about it. I I kind of fall in the category of of the guys that reached out and like I said, like you said, there's nothing wrong with those stories. It just I was that guy that went in, uh, you know, did the scouting, uh, read the yep. maps, this and that. But um, I you know. I look at the deer I have on my wall. I'm gonna say he was that every bit of upper 60s, maybe low 70s, maybe I maybe bigger. Like it was he he was as big as he. I, let us put it this way: he was what you go to Iowa for, and mm-hmm. if you're a resident of Iowa, you don't pass the deer either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just curious because that's what this is all about you know the deer that just got away okay. you know what i mean yeah so, so be, oh, be, okay well before we get too long-winded <laughs> i'm gonna reverse the table how about you buddy uh honestly the the biggest deer i've ever missed was a probably 115 inches okay but the biggest deer i've ever had to pass up was touching 150 uh, is it, are we talking about a deer that was kind of like an off-limits type off-limits of thing? Off-limits type deer, okay. yeah. yeah. So it was a deer that, uh, only deer on the farm that couldn't be killed. He was two or three years old. Um, had a muzzleloader down in Ohio on mm-hmm. a lease, you know, that I was, you know, I worked for the, the guys that had the lease and he was the only deer off-limits. And yeah. I sat two days all day for the Ohio muzzleloader season and... At last late, he showed up, and my buddy Adam was filming me, and he's like, dude, big deer. And he didn't really know that deer <laughs> at the time. He's like, big deer over here. It's at 40 yards. Mm-hmm. And I pull the gun up and safety off, and I'm pulling about pound and a half of you know pressure on oh, the trigger. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, a little guy in my head's like, look at his rack. Yeah. You know? And he was very distinct and knew exactly who it was. And um, he ended up actually getting killed uh not last year the year before so 2022 2021 i think he got killed in 2020 by a neighbor ben rising okay of and this that deer's that that hunt is on camera him killing the deer that i passed up of whitetail edge right yep, whitetail edge Ohio. yep okay and the deer had double split g2s i don't know what he ended up scoring when ben killed him but he was an absolute he killed him two years after I. He killed him as a five-year-old. Yeah. I passed him up as a three-year-old. And when that deer hit the like, I saw because I followed Ben. I'm like, oh my god, that's him. That's Junior. That's yeah. Sneaky Junior. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Like, see what he grew up into. Like, he was probably close. To, he was for sure mid forties, maybe touch fifty as a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. And then he's probably I don't know if he would hit seventy when Ben killed him. He may have. Yeah. But dude, big I mean, deer. You come from a world of filming your hunts. You ever look back at that one? Oh yeah. You ever? I got the footage it? of it still. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that I'm one like, hurts. I I had the safety off pulling. That would have been my biggest deer at the time. That was sure. before I killed the Hambino. That was 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So he killed him in 20, I think. Yeah. Wow. Big deer. Yeah. Yeah. And I cool. was like, that sucks, you yeah. know. But it is what it is. <laughs> it so. is what it is, man. Yeah. So let's get into supporting reads. Leave the lights on here, or keep the lights on. Helix Broadheads. Guys, um, they have a new broadhead out, actually. 
now that this podcast is is live, you can probably you probably know about it. Uh, go check them out at helixbroadheads.com. Use the code FALLHX10 to save some money. I'm going to get through these quick. Latitude Outdoors, Tree Saddles. If you guys are looking to get into the mobile game, look no further than Latitude Outdoors. Go to latitudeoutdoors.com. Check them out. Use the code the Fall Podcast, all one word, all lowercase, to save 25% on that. Now, that doesn't work for Method 2 saddles, which is okay because the Classic 2 saddle, the single panel, is still a very comfortable saddle. I have that as well. Um, it works for the Classic 2s, and it also works for any accessories that you want um, for that. So go check that out. Use that code. Exodus Trail Cams, exodusoutdoorgear.com. They offer a lot of different stuff. Um but I particularly like their cell cams. Uh, I've been using them for two years now, going on three years. I don't have one bad thing to say about them, really. Uh, their battery life has been the best battery life I've ever used on a camera. I mean, that is no doubt about it. Uh, and, you know, they have a five-year warranty and theft coverage as well. So, and their customer service, I mean, is <clears throat> top-notch. So check them out at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Vector Arrows has been the best arrow I've shot. Not going to lie to you. Arrows used to be just arrows to me. It's just something you put in your bow and you shoot. That's what I thought until, I know it's it's funny. You know, you're like, oh, you're just a sellout. You're, you're talking about because you get paid, right? Because mm-hmm. you get paid by the guys. It's like, oh, you're just the best arrows ever. I'm not kidding you. Like yeah. these arrows just have been great for me. Um, VectorCustomShop.com. Use the code FALL10 and you will probably say that they're the best arrows you've shot too i i won't buy your dozen arrows back if they're not the best arrows you've shot but Uh-oh. i'm gonna tell you they're, they're pretty good arrows <laughs> and then um garmin bow sights um i'm telling you these this bow sight a lot of people throw shade on me for using it i don't care because mm. it's made me a better hunter in the moment of truth hey and man use what you feel confident in 100 percent. it's and in the moment of truth it's I can't say that there's a better site out there right yep. now. You know, not one that I've used. There's some good sites out there. Don't get me wrong. But that one, I just I just have so much confidence in. Yep. So check them out at, at Garmin.com. So guys, please go to iTunes. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a written review. Please do that. Go in there. Just write a little something. A little something, something. I like the, the series you guys are doing or something. Or maybe David sucks or that I suck. Just write it in there. Yeah. I, you know, say hate mail's great I've too. Heard, I've heard enough of David. Yeah. Time for him to go. <laughs> yeah. So, uh go do that and go to Spotify as well and and leave a review. So thank you guys very much. And we're going to get to this interview with the nine finger wonder. Let's do it. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the fall podcast. And today we have an awesome guest on Dan Johnson, the nine finger wonder. If ever, (laughs) if everybody has been living (laughs) under a rock forever and you don't know who Dan is, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. You just need to get out there because uh, Dan's been in the podcast game for a long time. He started with Mark Kenyon, I believe, you know, with the Wired to Hunt, and now you know he's building his own empire and everything over there in Iowa. And I enjoy listening to all that stuff. But we're gonna talk to Dan here and get an unbelievable story out there that I want to know more about. So, Dan, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you having me on, and it's uh, it's good to be on this podcast, man. It's uh, you're. You're up there with, uh, every time I talk to some people about hunting podcast, right, the usual suspects uh, are mentioned, and you're, you're one of the usual su- suspects, so uh, it's cool to be on this, ep- this podcast, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, and, and with me, I got my buddy David Riley, so today we're going to be drilling you with 
questions on the legendary shipwreck buck. And, you know, the the funny thing to me, Dan, is like you, this happened, what, started back in 2007, is that right? Yeah, 2007, uh, the whole story of him ran 2007 to 2011. Okay. Wow. So, so, so it, that four, four year period, I believe. It was a yeah, long time ago, but period. man, I just feel like this story needs to be brought back to life because it's so good. And, yeah. you know, now you can probably look back and be like, I don't know how you're feeling about it, but I'm like, you're part of some history there in my eyes. Like you, that, yeah. that's a legendary deer and you're, I can't wait to hear your side of it. I don't know about what you think. <laughs> oh yeah. And I mean, I, I can remember those years, like Dan just talked about from 07 to 11, I can remember watching those white knuckle uh, DVDs. And at that time I had never even been to Iowa. So watching Dan on those, on those Iowa hunts and kind of seeing the deer of that caliber. I mean, it's just what, what guys dreamed about. And he was, yeah. he was chasing the dream. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Chasing a dream in a period where I, I look back, if I, if I, if I look at that time frame, you know, it's that old saying, I wish I knew then what I know now. Sure. Yeah, there's a good chance that buck's on my wall. Yeah. But because I was still in a period of what the hell am I doing? It, I, I was doing a whole bunch of things wrong, not just on that deer, but all my hunts. And, you know, the, the times that I did get a buck down in this 2000, I'm going to say 10 year period of 2006 to 2015. So nine years there was, man, I, I, I was probably just getting lucky if I got a deer on the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, that 10 year period was really the foundation leading up to 2016, where I kind of had these aha moments or mm -hmm. this, this click where it all started working for me. And all of the times that I had failed in the past were brought into this ultimate strategy that I implement every year. And it's just, it's, it's kind of a very rough way of finding success, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it, it, it for sure does. I mean, I think I've actually talked to Aaron about this before. Is I always kind of preach this to my kids, and you actually just said the exact words in, in what you are just saying, is that, you know, during that period, they probably felt like, you know, failures or mistakes were – you know, it's not, it's not ever really a failure as long as you've learned something. And at that right. time, it probably felt like a giant, like I'm just making the biggest mistakes I could ever make. But then, you know, five, six, seven years down the road, you're starting to capitalize from those mistakes yeah. made in the past. Yeah. And back then, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I may have not even known that I was making a mistake sure. until right. you have those aha moments. And then you look back and you go, oh man, I did this wrong. I did this wrong. I did this wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and then you just got to move forward from there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. D did you ever think back then, like, you know, like you just said, like you didn't think you were doing anything wrong? Now, for me, I mean, you're on an absolute heater right now. You've you've killed some slammer deer in the last five or six years, and like you said, like you you didn't know it at that point. But you were building your foundation to get to this goal. Maybe it's a goal, but where you're at now, and it's like, do you ever like reflect back at like that was the plan all the time? You just didn't know it. 
you know, like well, think, with that deer in that those times? Yeah. yeah, so I'll even take it into life in general. Man, even just the way I lived, just the way, I don't know, I, my, my personal behavior was, I really didn't know what the hell I was doing until I, until like in just life right. until I was, <laughs> you know, into my very late twenties, even early thirties. And so, so you look at that and then, and then I look to where I am now and I say, it's been, it took me 30 years to get to a point where I could act as an adult for the next <laughs> 12 years. Right. So here I am 42 and and it took me that long to realize that I was pretty much a dipshit until 30, <laughs> right? And, and so, and so, you you need you need that, right? And I mm-hmm. and honestly, I look at the um, I look at a lot of young hunters today. You know the the social the Instagram thing and, and things like that. And I learned me personally. I learned by stair stepping. Sure. In kind of a way, there was a period of time there in that shipwreck era where I didn't want to stair step. I I, I regret that. I passed a lot of deer that I sh- I should have never have passed. But I see a lot of people being influenced by others who do not hunt the same way as them. So I I really do think that there's people trying to jump to this mature buck big antlered uh part of their life when they haven't they haven't killed enough deer to be comfortable around that type of scenario uh in that scenario yet so for me i it took me 10 years to figure it out mm-hmm. and so i i look back at that and i go i would not be on the heater that i am now if it, i didn't have that 10 years of off and on failure that led me to the point to where I could go with my gut and make quick decisions on strategy and long story short, tree stand placement. Sure. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it just took a long time to, to understand that. Yeah. Yeah. I will say like, I love how you put, you wanted to, it, 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 it makes it's refreshing to hear you say. Now, you come from the Holy Land. You're in Iowa, okay? Yes. I've been fortunate enough to go to Iowa and hunt and film there. I've been there four different falls, and it's been stupid good. And yep. um, I had this conversation with a guy not too long ago, and I said, you know, in Michigan here, my goal is to shoot like a mid one teens deer. Like that's still a two or three year old like. I killed one this year and it tore me inside out, you know, and I've mm-hmm. killed way bigger deer. But to my question to you is like coming from a state like Iowa or just let's just say the Midwest because there's a lot of good states out there. Coming from a, a state like that, do you feel like you've been spoiled a little bit in the fact of like, man, I wish I could have or I wish I would have took some of those deer like you said, like you passed up a lot of deer to get to the point where you're like at now, but you know, do you think you were spoiled? Maybe spoiled might not be the best word, but you get what I'm saying? Like, are, do you wish you kind of had more opportunity or took more of those opportunities and learned maybe the hard way, harder way? I don't know. Like, do you, do you look back at that at all? I'm a product of my environment. 
And so I I cannot relate to the Michigan, the Pennsylvania, the New York public land grinders, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just, I, I've never hunted that way. I mean, the, from the mobile standpoint, yes, but not from the, you know, five trucks already in the parking lot and I got to navigate my way through that, right? So the, the pressure aspect of it all is just completely different. The other thing is the rules and regulations, right? Iowa, it has some of, in my opinion, the best deer rules and regulations in the entire country. Mm-hmm. And, and and so when you have when you have that, I the only real differences, in my opinion, it, well, there's two. One is a difference in pressure, right? And now I hunt some I hunt some properties that I would consider pressured properties because I'm not the only guy on them, right? There's other right. guys on them, right? Is there is there five you know five truckloads of guys getting out every day? No, but it's still you know it's still a version of pressure. Sure. And the other th- the other thing is. The rules and regulations in my state allow for a deer to get, you know, to an older age class. And so because of that, I have the ability to hunt bigger, antlered, more mature bucks because of the habitat, because of the, um, you know, because of the environment and the ability that there's not just a massacre every rut during the, you know, for some gun season. And so... And so I look, I look at that and I say, hey, man, I'm really lucky to be living where I live, be born where I was born. And then, and then on top of that, like I've been to Michigan and I've hunted in Michigan and it's not easy. Right? <laughs> it's not, dude, it's not easy. And so I, I, I know that. And, and you take anybody out of their environment that they're comfortable in and you put them into a new environment, they will they will have to make adjustments, I'll say. I, I won't say they'll struggle because if I took a, a, a really good bow hunter out of Michigan and put him in Iowa in the same somewhat circumstances, they will probably come out with a higher age class, bigger antler deer than what they typically get in Michigan, right? It's just for sure. all of averages is that, at that point. Yeah, yep. and I agree too, like... But, you know, I've never hunted public land. Well, I did this year. It's the first time I've ever hunted public land ever, and I did it in Michigan. And I'll tell you, it's hard for me. I've been spoiled. Like, I've had private life, private land my whole life. And it's really hard for me, that old fishing adage, to, like, leave deer to find deer. You know, I've got good yeah. deer on camera here in private, and people are like, well, you need to go try the public. And I'm like, why? Like, why when I, I roll up, I had a good deer on camera this year. I mean, real good Michigan deer on public. Figured I I had them somewhat figured out, rolled in there to kind of, you know, get some stuff figured out. Like right a week before season, there's 22 side-by-side just like ripping through his nucleus. And I'm like, yep, pulled all my cameras and left. I'm like, I'm <laughs> wasting my time. You know, you've got kids. I've got a young kid. Like time's valuable right now. If I got, yeah. I can't spend 45 minutes in a truck one way to go to a piece of public in hopes to see a deer when I can yeah. go behind my house or I can go to my my pri- my family farm 15 yeah. minutes away, have a, a more high-valued sit and get more out of it than it, – I don't know. That's just where I'm at. It's it, Michigan is tough, man. It is. It, I'm yeah. not going to lie to you. It's tough. Yep. Yep. So, yes, it is. Well, good. Let, 
I mean, we kind of went down that dissertation. I'm ready to get into shipwreck, but I do do know that. So, (laughs) so Dan, just, you know, let's start from ground zero. Like, you know, when, when you found out about this deer and like how all that came about. Yeah. Actually, I want, I'm going to ask Dan one question before we jump in the shipwreck. Cause you know, obviously we're talking about shipwreck cause he's an absolute giant of an animal but before you started hunting shipwreck dan like what what were your um some of the whitetails you had killed before then like what kind of uh type you know what kind of caliber whitetails were you killing before you actually started to hunt for shipwreck before i started hunting for shipwreck um my first my i if he had both sides of his antler he would have been like a, a high 130s class 10 pointer Maybe okay. a mid one thirties class ten pointer if he had both sides. He was broken off at the main beam, so whatever. Yep. But I, I'm guessing he was probably, honestly, a four year old. Okay. Um, and so I went through this phase where I got a trail camera in 2006, and this 2006 is a is is really a jumping off point for me. Okay. Because I was a hunter before that, but not serious. I was the, hey, it's, uh, you know, I don't want to get up and go this morning. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. or, hey, I have the opportunity to go to a party where there's going to be girls. Or I can go hunting in the woods. And I usually went to the party, right? Yep. <laughs> and so, so in 2006, I had this huge life change, right, where just things happened. And I, and, and I found comfort in bow hunting. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I made the decision that I want to do this bow hunting thing as much as I possibly can, as long as I possibly can. So now you fast forward until today, I'm making a lot of decisions on how to accomplish that. How Mm -hmm. am I, how am I able to go out and be a successful bow hunter and spend as much time doing it as possible now? you throw three kids and a wife into the mix and, and it almost goes against what you're trying to <laughs> a, a, accomplish. But but and as much as possible and until I, I can no longer draw back a bow. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my goal is I want to hunt till I'm 80 years, like bow hunt until I'm 80 years old. And so, you know, I I, I decided at that point to make the deci- that decision to be serious. Now, before that, Dude, I killed I killed one doe with a bow. That's it. Okay. That's it. And so and then in 2006 I shot another doe and I shot uh I shot another doe and later in that uh season I shot my my first buck. Mm-hmm. And so I I was just like you know, oh my god, this is awesome. This is awesome. And and this is no joke like you're talking to a guy in 2006 who only sat field edges, who didn't play the wind, who in one of my, I can, I was talking to this with another guy the other day. I was sitting in a fence row with a compound bow and a a set of arrows that my mom got at a garage sale. (laughs) And so I took, I had uh, three paint sticks with me. You know, you stir the paint with them. Yep. Yep. First one, first one was ten yards. Second one was <laughs> twenty yards. Third one was uh, thirty yards. And and so those were my pins on my sight. And I was sitting in a field edge, and I had walked out into the field, stepped off 10, <laughs> 10, 10 steps, twenty steps, 
30 steps. And so, and so that's how I thought you did it. And, uh, you know, now, now a lot has changed, but I look back at, at those times and I say, uh, now granted shipwreck shows up in at the beginning of this 10 year period for me, the, the growing period. And I'm going to call it. And in this growing period, dude, I saw, I saw some deer that people just would not believe. Yeah. I mean, we're talking in the in the prime, the late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, I would say almost to, to 2010. We're talking about an era of Iowa where it didn't have the heavy um, non-resident influence. It was still farmer controlled. And what I mean by that is we're talking about... Um, I could go knock on a door and be like, Hey, do you mind if I go hunt your property? They'd be like you, yes, you can. And you can bring whoever you want on. Like it was (laughs) like deer were, were public enemy number one. And there, there was no real value associated with them. Like there is today. Sure. No, there wasn't no financial gain from them. And so you could get some, you could get access to some amazing properties and see deer and, and and still the lack of people who were actually bow hunting mm-hmm. back then was different. And so so in the shipwreck era, in the learning era, I I, I saw some I saw I'll tell you one one story of a deer I saw. He was a typical eight by eight, and I was driving home, I was driving home after a hunt. And he was stand. I look across the road in this in this lady's. It's a farmer in her front yard, and there's a whole bunch of does eating out of her bird feeder. I look across the road, under the yard light. You know, a lot of farms have the yard light coming out of this little pocket of thicket, and there is this eight by eight, fifteen inch G two, or maybe <laughs> even longer, and it just went down. This is this is. And this was probably 2006 or 2007. And we're talking a no doubter world record. Yeah. Like a no doubter world record. Next day I go and I knock on the farmer's door and I said, Hey, I was just out of, out of curiosity. Do you, uh, do you allow hunters on your property? And he, he goes, he just, he knew, right? Yeah. He, just goes, yeah. <laughs> he said, did you see him? I said, yeah, I, I, I saw him. I saw him under your yard light. He goes, no hunting. <laughs> and they shut the door. And they shut the door. So uh, I never, I never heard anything about that buck. Yeah, no. you know, it, it, it's a buck that if it was legally harvested, it's it's a world record. Yep. Like, and I'm I'm just the more I know about whitetails, I can look into. I can say that's a world record. Yeah. I mean, that's right. a, it was a, it was an absolute giant. Yeah. So, so basically at the beginning stages of, you know, the entire shipwreck story is this is kind of when you're really starting to amp up and take bow hunting really serious. And you're basically in the heyday of arguably some of the best hunting there was before, you know, these apps on phones mm-hmm. of giving property owners who owns what, all, all of that stuff. Yep. Yeah, I could, re- and, and, and this is even what the farmers were telling me, right? So I, I had this uh, trail camera. I go and put it out. I pull the the uh, film. I go yep. to a drugstore. One hour, you know, hey, I'll pay the extra for the one hour. Uh, develop. You know, develop. Yep. And it was like, 
wind, 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 wind. <laughs> so you only had you only had like thirty five. Uh, you had thirty five pictures on this roll, and you're like, okay, fifteen of them are wind so far. Now what? Yep. And I get a picture of this buck, and I go to the farmer. He's out in his uh, farm, and he comes out of his tractor. And I go, hey, check this buck out. I'm gonna go shoot him. He goes, don't shoot that buck. He's too small, and he's probably like a one thirty ten. Mm-hmm. Okay, but he's huge so, to you at this point, you know. Exactly, because I mean, I've, I've, other than, you know, what I've just seen driving around the gravel roads, which is good. Yeah, I, I have no understanding of what a big deer is yet, and so here I am, corrupted right off the bat when someone should be telling me, "Dude, go shoot that deer." I'm mm-hmm. having, I'm having people tell me, "Dude, that deer's too small," and we're probably talking like a, a three year old. 130 10-pointer. Sure. And so and so that is how I'm basically messed up from from that point. From that <laughs> well, point and on. I guess I think that's what I was trying to get to, you know, earlier when, you know, saying you're quote-unquote spoiled. You know, like you didn't get a chance to like kill those deer. You right. know what I mean? Like you didn't you didn't have the oh, I shot the, you know, 110-inch buck. Or I didn't I, you know, for us like it's like my first good buck was actually on the wall right here it's like a hundred inch deer and i was like i was ecstatic like it was like the biggest deer in the county i thought you know what i mean and then you know it it, i'm 35 now and i shot the biggest michigan deer my life this year and he was in the low 140s and it's like i come unglued you know and it's like it took me this long to shoot a deer this big in in michigan you know and um that's what i was kind of getting to like do you not feel bad but like do you kind of look back at those years and be like man i wish i just like you know took some aggression out on, the, on some of those deer that I really thought I, that were big at the time. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that because I shot, I, if I was mad and wanted to slay something, a doe felt that wrath. Oh yeah. You know yeah. Sure. What I mean, yep. and so, and so I, I would just throw an arrow at a, at a doe okay. and, 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 you know, fill the freezer or whatever. Yeah. But, but when it came to like the certain caliber of deer, when I, so I also, I don't come from a hunting family. My mom didn't hunt. My dad didn't hunt. Um, my stepdad now, he hunts. But kind of growing up, I was on my own for the most part, kind of solo. And so I didn't have anybody telling me what I needed to hear, which was in order to be a good deer hunter, you have to shoot deer. And and so I, I yeah, I shot some does, but I was never, I was not like taking down forkies like I probably should have or or you know like 50 inch you know basket racks things like that which for the first five or six years that's what I should have been doing I should have just been slaying everything that moved Mm -hmm. instead I have this voice in my ear saying pass small deer only shoot big deer and it kind of honestly I kind of regret that Sure. If I had, I mean, if I could go back and do it again, I'd, I'd be throwing arrows when I was younger. Well, and that's what I was kind of getting at. Like, and you hit the nail on the head. You're a product of your environment, just like David and I, like we grew up here. We took those stepping stones. Like we never got the, Hey, I got a hundred inch buck on camera. Like don't shoot that deer. Like it was just yeah. like, Hey, let's go. Like that's the biggest deer in the section. Let's go get after him. You yeah. know? So that's, that's kind of right. what I was getting at right. there. Yeah, cause I, I can remember, I think I've actually mm-hmm. heard Dan talk about it, and even on some of the 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 videos when he was hunting Shipwreck, that, like, 
I've heard him say like he was he was passing deer that he hadn't even shot that caliber sure. of deer before. Yep. You know what I mean? We're you, you know looking yeah. back at it, you're like th- those were steps in the ladder possibly mm-hmm. at that time. But but also on the flip side, you know if, if you're chasing a, a specific animal, that's that's part of it too. Yeah. You know, yep. it's yep. always it, yep. there's always a flip side to it. I guess. Yep. yep. I, I remember I had a 160 inch. 10 pointer, four year old. I'm guessing he was 10 yards from me, just standing there. I could have, <laughs> I could have thrown a baseball at him and he probably wouldn't have moved. <laughs> and so, and, and here I am waiting on yeah. this shipwreck buck. And so these giant deer make people do crazy things. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know, man. It oh. just, yeah, is what it is, I guess. Yep. I'm amped. Let's get yeah, into the story. So let's, like, how did you figure out about this deer? Like, how did you, I mean, I kind of know just because I watched the videos and listened to the podcast, but like, take us from ground zero. What, what, let's get into this here. Yeah, so 2006, I, I, and you know, you're, you're talking, this was a long time ago. So I'm, it's when I graduated gonna, high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was 20, I was 2006, I was 26 at the time, and I had just one property to hunt. And it was, you know, there was other guys on it. It was a working farm. That was it. So I said to myself, I need to spread my wings and I need to, I need to start gaining access to more farms and and go knock on some doors. And so I had to go to the, the courthouse and buy a plat book. And I just drive around the country I would, you know, with your finger, there's no GPS. So with my finger, I'm following on the roads and I mark a little mark if I see a deer in a field or whatever. And so I saw, I saw a, a couple of deer on this property and you could see all the way through it. It was basically three fingers and a CRP field uh, in between all these fingers that led to the road. And you could see the back fence line. So it, So nobody was paying any attention to this, this property. And it butted up next to another big CRP field that was not being utilized by anything mm-hmm. because nobody, I mean, it was just, number one, it was hidden from the road. And number two, it was all CRP with a couple uh, really big, like there was, it's like an X. The low points were an X and everything else was a CRP field. And there were some trees in there. Well, I go knock on the farmer's door and I say, hey, man. Uh, do you mind if I come and hunt your property? He's like, no, I don't care. Sure, <laughs> go do it. And I'm like, okay. And so I think at the time I had one trail camera, maybe two. And this this is this was the summer or leading up to some September or something like that of 2007, leading up to the 2007 season. And so my first encounter with Shipwreck was him as – this is going to sound crazy, but a 170 inch four year old, no, three or four year old, something like that. I, I mean, I was, I was blackout like I was bl- <laughs> I, when he showed up, I was blacked out. But did you know anything about him? Like when you got permission no. on this farm, nothing, okay. no, nope. you're just like, nope. Hey, this, you saw a good deer in the, in the, and you're like, I want to go hunt that. So you got permission. Yep, exactly. Okay. And so, okay. and so there was no real Intel. Again, the the only had film, D battery, VCR looking trail cameras, and so like there wasn't the intel that I can get today. 
sure. uh, from a from a trail camera. And the only intel you get was, was hunting. And so I started hunting this farm, and dude, I am I yeah, this is no lie. In the first year I hunted this farm, I I would say that I saw seven six or seven deer over 170. And at the time, <laughs> and we're talking about a pocket, a big pocket of of CRP and this 90 acres and another um, what I would say. It's like in between a gravel road and the interstate that was all just thick, nasty timber that nobody hunted. Mm-hmm. And then and then we had like 100 acres of thick timber that nobody hunted. And so this was like 500 acres of, and I only had access to the 90 at the time. And so this was 500 acres of nobody hunting it, no farming going on in it. There was nothing. It was simply a sanctuary for wildlife. Sure, and I got I got lucky because number one, the farmer would let whoever wanted to hunt it hunt it, and number two, it's just this unassuming property. Yeah, you you, you look at it and you go, it's just a field. No right. deer live here, right? Was it more of like and, a rut farm? Um, looking back at it now, like was there any food? I mean, obviously, you said it didn't get farmed, so like was it more of like yeah. a rut funnel? It, it no, I would say I would say it was a staging area. Okay. okay. For to go to the crop fields, mm-hmm. right? And but at the same time, there's a ton of acorns in this in these fingers, and so if they didn't want to, and it was this low, thick, it was it was probably like 20 year old cattle pasture in in there, and so the tops had been converted to CRP, but these little fingers were just the thickest, nastiest, you can't see 20 feet type type areas, and so. Man, you walk in there, and I, I'm getting goosebumps right now, visioning. I am too. In there. <laughs> I've never and, been there, and just and seeing, you know, thigh-sized rubs on trees that have been just hourglassed out throughout several seasons of deer rubbing on the same tree. I'm, and you go in there, and you just like I hate to say this, but you're fully erect. You're just like <laughs> you're like holy shit, this is going to be a money. Like, and, and at the time, I didn't even know what I was doing yet. Sure. But I did know that from all of the outdoor life and field and stream articles that I was used to read, that this meant there was deer here. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that's that's where I started. And and the first encounter wa- with, uh, with shipwreck was in a tree that had an active beehive in the bottom of it. So I had to take my, I had to take my lone wolf stick and be very careful. And then once I got it up, I had to get up fast. So they'd leave me alone. <laughs> and then uh, and then I had a, that night, what was it? I had a southeast wind that was blowing into the CRP field and he showed up and he walked through kind of a shooting lane, but it was kind of too far and very quick. And then he came up at about 10 yards from me and the only shot I had of him was guts and hindquarters. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I didn't take the shot, but that was the very first encounter with me. And it was at that moment that I was like, just like, I don't know, man, just blackout and like yeah. focus. B- living life with blinders. I had 
I had no girlfriend at the time. You know, I I don't even know if I had a job at the time. So I was just <laughs> I, I was just this bow hunting bum, to be honest with you. And everything I did for for that, you know, 2007. I think I had a job in 2008. I got laid off. Um, had another job, then got laid off. And so it was just everything that I was doing was focused. I thought from that day for four straight years, maybe even five straight years, I thought about that buck every single day. Yeah. What, the minute the minute you seen him, it was just like you said, it was the blinders and, and it was it was him or nothing. And and it's just wild. Like so that the the day you actually seen him on the hoof, you actually yeah. seen him on the hoof before you even had a, a like a trail cam picture or anything exactly. of him. Yeah. Yep. So yep. <clears throat> that I mean the, in being somewhat new to like you know, he's just starting to take the bow hunt thing serious. Still wet behind his ears, really. <laughs> yeah. You know, and next thing you know, you know, just knock on a door, yes, automatically, and then right off the rip, just you know, a deer of that caliber. Yeah, I, you can't blame a guy for instantly going, okay, that's what I want to no. hunt. No, I yeah. mean every ninety nine point nine percent of people hunters out there would have done the same thing. Sure, like yeah. I probably would have quit my job to be honest with you <laughs> if I had one. You know. <laughs> But like what, um, when you went in there going back to like the trail cam, like when you set foot on this farm for the first time, like, you know, you, you said you were kind of relatively new to the whole thing. So like, what was your mindset? What was your game plan of like, I want to put the camera here. Why did you put the camera where you did? Or what was your thoughts? Yeah. So when I did end up hanging a, uh, so I got one more trail camera after that. And so the two, the two fingers that, that touched the big block of timber, I put a trail camera in this little crossing. It was it was like kind of a, a pinch point area and in, in these two areas. And, and so that was, it was like a, a little crit, I, if you want to call it a crit crossing, but not all these drainages have water in them. It's just like cut from erosion over the years. Right? Okay. And so and so this draw led down to the big, these draws led down to the big, big block of timber and that there was a, there was trails that would cross there. And so that's the first two places that I would hang trail cameras on that farm. I yeah. gotcha. And now was there more deer, like big deer on this farm other than him too? Like what was the cameras showing? So back then I didn't get very many pictures. Okay. All of, all of the sightings that year were from the tree stand. Okay. Gotcha. And, and so that was on that property and on the property to the south, that big wide open CRP field with uh, the X of low, like the low spot X in it. Yep. So how many, uh, how many encounters did you end up having with them in 2007? 2007 of them? Th that was it. Just that one. That was just the one. Okay. What time of just year was one. it? That would have been... Man, I almost want to say it was October twenty eighth. Okay, really, something okay. like that. It, it was a, it was just this perfect pre rut scenario where there was a prey to deer that came out of this timber block. Uh, a couple does came out, and then they worked their way into the CRP to feed. And it's like he did what he did a thousand times. He came out of the block of timber. He looped up. He got to the field edge where he could see the CRP field. And then, depending on what was out there, determined if he was going to go in it or not. Yeah. But what I forgot to tell you is that in that encounter, he smelled me. And so, he as he's working his way out to the field, 
my my he caught my scent and then he just he 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 just blew out of there. Yeah. At, at that time, not to cut you off here, but at that time, did you think like shit? He's got my musk. He's got my scent. Like, did you think of it think, that way? No, no, I, I I don't I don't even think I understood quite yet. Okay. That yeah, you know the impact that getting busted has on a big mature buck like that. Okay. And so, and so. I just kept hunting uh, that farm, uh, maybe a little bit more than I should have, but I, I just kept I just kept hunting it. I didn't get any any more uh, trail camera pictures of him that year. I didn't see him at all that year. Uh, I, you know, I was seeing good deer there, uh, and 2007 was kind of a year where I was still like 2006 was luck, right? I would just say, because that, that buck came out of a field mm-hmm. and I was in a ladder stand on a field edge and shot him, right? The, that year was the year where you find out that it's not easy. Like, mm-hmm. shooting deer is not, like, older age class animals is not easy. And you have to do other things that require you maybe being mobile mm-hmm. or require extra attention than just hey i'm gonna sit on a field edge and wait for him to stand out in front of me yeah yeah and you you got to think too how wild that probably was for shipwreck in 07 uh like you said the deer were just acting like deer like they've no no different so let's say he's three or four years old and he's basically lived for three or four years without basically kind of any human interaction by the way it sounds and then all of a sudden he gets a whiff of a human like that. Oh, that was man. probably the strongest whiff that <laughs> for him, you know, like yeah. if he's lived in that sanctuary, the next thing you know, it's like, whoa, someone's in here. And it, he's yeah. spent his whole life without smelling something like that. Yeah. Yep. Did you see a direct and, effect after that of like, and like I said, you probably didn't know what at the, that time, but looking back on it, like, did you see a direct effect of, I really fucked that stuff up? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So I, I he busted out of there, and I never saw – I didn't see him in the rest of 2007. So then 2008 comes. I think I have one trail camera picture of him in velvet, and I didn't even see him in 2008. What do he look like? And, uh, nubs, because it was like oh. May. Okay. Right? Yeah. But I mean, it's big, yeah, big, big Coke can base nubs, yep. right? As a, I'm assuming at that that time, 2008 was a, a five year old, uh, potentially, something like that. He's he's either four or five, yeah. And so what hap- what happens then now is we have a a scenario where I was just like, is this just a rare occurrence? I I know sure. he made it through through there i didn't see him at all and but here's the thing with that particular farm in 2008 i i did not yeah 2008 yeah 2008 um he disappeared and that farm was just the exact same but without him i think that year i think i saw four deer or maybe even five deer that were bordering that 170 mark Oh, and man. So, and so I was just like, what? You know, like, <laughs> here I am. You know, imagine going to a bar and all the women were flirting with you. 
<laughs> you wouldn't even know it. You you wouldn't know what to do. You'd just be yep. like running in place. You'd be uh, blah, 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 you know everything. And so, I think for that for the 2007 2008 seasons, I really was just chasing my tail. Sure. I didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just going and seeing deer because it was a low pressure honey hole of a property and what i didn't realize is that i was personally i was ruining it sure because my access routes were shit um i wasn't playing the wind like i probably should have um you know i started to understand that as i went into that but yeah 2008 was was a bust you know that was a it was a no i don't know it was a no it was not a good year i, I mean i i probably shot a doe yeah. But then that was that was it. No no buck shot that year. Yeah. Looking back on that, you know, seeing that I mean that many caliber of deer like that, did you ever get to a point in that season where you were like where you have not seen him, he hasn't shown up on camera, you haven't witnessed him from the tree stand. Did you ever get to the point where you're like, I'm gonna shoot one of these bigger deer? Like one of these good deer showing up or was it like nope, shipwreck or nothing? Like that's it. Yeah, so you know, 2007 and 2000 or two yeah 2008 uh 2007 and 2008 like i said were were years where i was like you you really are humbled i didn't have any deer within shooting range of me that Mm -hmm. year any any of those big bucks right i had i had some smaller deer uh you know forkies 100 inchers maybe some 120s two-year-olds or whatever but nothing that just makes your jaw drop yeah and so i guess i didn't really i was just i was almost just more confused than i was than i was paying attention right i I just wasn't Mm -hmm. observing and i'll tell you what that's the thing that i learned probably one of the things i learned the most is you can't just go out into the woods sit there and get back in your truck you have to sit in the woods, you have to observe, and you have to absorb that mm-hmm. information. And you, then then you can reference that. Once you absorb it, you can reference it at a later date. And so I wasn't doing that. I was just going and doing the same things over and over, and I, they didn't lead to any type of success. Even when I would get busted or I would have failure, I wasn't learning from it. Mm-hmm. I was just acting like it didn't happen. And then I would go back into the woods. Yeah. Well, and I think everybody goes to that too. Like, you know, for me, it's, it's a good analogy, Dan, is where like, when you get back to the truck, it doesn't, the game doesn't stop there. Yep. Like it's not over. Yeah. You know how many, t- I, I take a journal every year. So it's like, when I get back to the truck, that's when I get into my truck, turn it on. I get in my phone and I start writing down everything that happened so I can digest it. And then I'm calling Yahoo's like him or something like, Hey, this is what happened. Like, you know, bouncing ideas. It's constant. Like shit, we're in December and now we're still talking about it like all year, every day. And, you know, I went through the same thing you did. I'm sure he did as well. Like, you know, you're just out there thinking you're doing the right thing because you know yeah. no better. Yep. You right. know? Now, it, right. now, did you have a mentor at that time or anybody that was like any buddies that were like, let me bounce some ideas off here. Like, you know, like what should I do here? Was anybody get, trying to give you advice? No, not really. Okay. Um, like I said, man, this whole this whole experience for me, even up to this day, is not now. I would say within the last seven years, maybe I I I know guys that if I'm like I'll throw a say, hey, what what 
here's the scenario. Or call them up. Here's the scenario. What are you thinking? Yeah. And we'll, we'll have just kind of a, a session where you just kind of talk it out. I, I went through a period of that. I don't do that much anymore because I, f- I feel confident in my approach. But back then, you know, I was filming for uh, White Knuckle uh, and, and when Todd was still alive, I would, I would try to bounce, bounce ideas off of him, but his response was always the same to me. And it was, you just gotta, you just gotta move. So it's not like he really taught me anything. It's just that he was telling me, Hey, just, just move around, move, just move around. Okay. And so I look at that and I go, you know, like I I was on my own at that point. Yeah, we had a, so we've made it through the 07 season and 08 season. When did uh, if I remember right, it was it's your it was your buddy Ryan that was uh, filming with you. When did he come in? Like what year did he start filming with you when you guys were uh, hunting shipwreck? Uh man, I want to say I don't think he came in 2009. But he was there in the tree in 2010 and in 2011. Okay. Okay. But I don't. I can't remember if he he came in 2009 or not. Okay. With with that said though, um, 2000 the 2009 season shows up, and now I'm starting to get way more information about him. I I have multiple trail camera pictures of him in velvet. Um, I I'm starting. You know, I have that might have been one of the first years of the SD card trail cameras. Okay. So I didn't have to go to, I was just getting so much more information. And so I got a couple trail camera pictures of him. Um, I was able to start identifying what sign meant, right? I mean, if there's big rubs on this knob, then you should probably go hunt this knob. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, the two previous years, I was starting to understand how deer moved through the terrain what the wind was doing in 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 that terrain and so um, i started to pick up a little bit right and so at this point he's probably a six-year-old and i'm guessing him 2009 six seven see six seven eight man you know he could have been he could have been even eight at that time you know i i really don't know i think uh sam calora told me when he shot him he was they aged him at like nine or ten wow oh wow so yeah and 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 that means that for from four years old to ten years old he was above boone and crockett wow like that's a that's That's amazing yeah yeah like he he had everything he just the right amount of what he needed to mm-hmm. always be what he was. Yep. Right, right. So coming into 09, when you get the first picture of him. <laughs> this is where I was going. Where? What yeah. the hell is your, what is your mind thinking like, oh my God. Like you just saw your first pair of boobs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, was it like it that? Just, <laughs> it's just another, you know, it's just one of many boners is really what it was, <laughs> you know? And so, and so it's like just. You got you to take the hem out of your pants or something. <laughs> Yeah, right. Or get the math book when you're walking around. And so <laughs> tuck it into the waistband. Yep. <laughs> oh shit. All and right, so we got- it was <laughs> we could go on forever if yeah. you wanted to. Uh but it was one of those things where I knew he was alive and now it's just a matter of getting in there and trying to trying to pin him down again. And 
there was one draw in the farm that was just consistent. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I will say this. I took some steps in 2009, the, the summer of 2009, and I knocked on the door of the really big CRP farm to the south, and I got permission to hunt it. Okay. I brought the lady, the the uh, landowner, the lady, a bag of blueberries, and I said, "Hey, here's a pair. Here's a sack of a gallon bag of blueberries for you. Would you be interested in letting me bow hunt only your property, your this piece?" And she's like, "Yeah, I don't care. Wow, just walk. <laughs> you know, just don't wow. let my dogs bite you." Yep. And so I was just like, "Bingo, it's on." So now I had another access route. And were were right? you the only one on this piece also? As, as far as I knew, nice. I was. I think Perfect. there might have been some shotgun hunters that would run through it, but. Or, you know, or some pheasant guys that would come through. But when I was there, I was the only person there. And so, nice. um, and so now we have just the, the options and the, the best thing about this particular property, uh, that I got access to was the ability to see a long ways. And so what I was able to do in 2000 and, uh, nine was during the mid October to late October time frame. I was able to sit in in these observation sets and just watch deer come out of this big block of timber, traverse into these you know fingers, or sometimes they would even bed in the fingers and come out down into the CRP. But I was really what I'm what I'm getting at is I was really able to identify how the deer moved through these properties, the landscape. Yeah. Yep. And that ultimately led to me moving into, again, the same draw that I had my first encounter with him, but just on the other side of it. And I got a tree on this knob where there was a whole bunch of scrapes, or excuse me, scrapes and rubs. And the wind would do something crazy in there. It would blow into the timber, but it would hit a certain point and it would just get sucked straight out into the CRP field. And it was almost like a hard left turn on a northwest north wind. The thermals would be in there and it was just so consistent all the Mm -hmm. time. And it would get sucked out over top of where the deer would, would be coming through. And so there was a time... When I was in there and a doe group came through and I go, oh shit, I'm getting busted. And I didn't get busted. And I, back then, uh, you know, this was, this was before milkweed was cool. I had milkweed <laughs> and I was, I, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I was listening to that band before they were cool. And, uh, <laughs> I was dropping this milkweed and I watched it drop down, hit this draft of some sort of this vacuum and just go, right over top of their head. And yeah. this doe group came out and went up this draw. And I was like, man, I think I got lucky here, but this is a really good spot. Fast forward to one of the, like the first week in November, I'm in there and I said, man, if this, if, if there's deer doing this, it's just a matter of time before there's deer, like the bucks are going to be following them through. Yep. Sure enough, man, I get back the next, I think one of the next times I'm in that stand. No, there's one more time that I'm in that stand. I passed that 160 uh, 10-pointer 
and and then I think I think it was yeah past the 160 10 pointer and then I mean we're passing the, 160s right now <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 no that I like I I still say that if I could go back in myself I'd be like shoot that deer like shoot that deer right yeah. and so you end up um then uh then the next day I went in there was like this mini rainstorm the temp dropped a little bit and same wind direction though and this doe group comes out and it goes by me and uh I look back into where they came from and there he is oh probably like 180 185 just this chocolate thick massed up like if Larry <laughs> Zach was going to draw a picture of the this this perfectly designed whitetail he was standing right there in front of me right and just like just perfect like it it was dude it was so awesome and he puts his nose up and he's just scent checking and he he was where he was Mm -hmm. at he was able to scent check every one of those does they weren't in heat. So what does he do? He doesn't follow them. I go, dude, I got him at 22 yards. I got him at 22. And I'm just like, here it is. Here's my shot. He ends up taking this hard right, almost like what the wind was doing. Walks straight away from me through the thickest. Like there was no trail there. He was just bulldozing brush out of the way. And he was just very, you know, easily walking right up there and, and, uh, that was my only encounter in 2008. So that was or two, eight? Excuse me. Two, no, that was nine. That so, was sorry, eight, 2009. Yep. 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 So you figured he was how old? I'm going to say seven or eight at that seven point. Seven or eight? Yeah. And you're thinking yeah. he's he's Booner then, gross Boone then. He's in the 80s, you're thinking. Yep. Yeah, he, I'm guessing he was, yeah, maybe even, I I, I doubt he was 90s, but he I'm, I'm guessing 80s. Yeah. Okay, describe him a little bit, just a visual picture for everybody. Like, what, what was he, like a mainframe? You know, 10, he was a like, main, was he? mainframe 10, but he had one of his G2s were, were split like a mule deer. Okay. And I mean, just this deep, deep. So I think he had like maybe 14 scorable points because he had a couple splits. I wish I could, I wish I had a picture of him up somewhere yeah. to, to really show it. But man, it was just now a couple days later on a neighboring farm. The, this uh, Todd Pregnant's had him at thirty yards in a in a ground blind, and it just didn't happen. No, oh. does he have footage and, and, of this deer? Or did oh, he yeah. have foot? Wait, yep. was this yep. uh, was this in that that cut cornfield? Yep, He's cut in a cornfield. Yeah. Yep, yep, I remember that. And yep, and so this deer traveled across the road, down the road for a while, and and ended up in his cornfield, and he didn't have the opportunity at him. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, uh, I don't know if I would have been able to lay off a shot like that. I would, I'm putting an arrow. <laughs> I would have been putting an arrow somewhere. Yeah. And so he uh, he laid off that buck. I don't think ever showed back up on his farm again. Didn't show. I didn't see him or get any trail camera pictures of him in 2009. And then uh, I ended up shooting another deer. Finally, I got to a point where I was just like, dude, what are you like? Just shoot something. Yeah. Yep. And so, so a really good deer stepped out. And uh, in 2009, I, I shot a, 
uh, a really good buck, and that was the end of the 2009 season. Yeah. What do you remember when that encounter was with him? Was it November, October? Like, man, I, I want to say, I want to say it. It was either really early October or, or uh, really early November or really late October because I can remember the tr- the leaves just dr- coming off the trees. Sure. It was one of those. It was one of those. It was like the rain had soaked in and the wind started to pick up and every the leaves were heavy with moisture and they were just coming off the trees yeah. uh, with the wind and and so I can remember that but and and that and that the I must have been near a maple tree because I I remember when I looked down at that 160 class buck that I was passing it was just a blanket of or bright yellow maple leaves is what he was standing on and so. Uh, yeah, I think it was probably so. It, it was probably give or take November first, four days I gotcha. on each side. Sure. Yeah. So I guess my whole thing was like maybe not at this time because I wouldn't have been thinking at this time that way. But like, you know, you've had two encounters with them in the same ditch in three years, okay, yeah. or same drainage, or you know, is there some historical patterns here? Like, has he right. checked this farm when? you know, late October, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Is, is that the time when you start honing in on this ditch? Yeah. You know, is he getting like, hist- yeah. but I didn't think of historical data until shit like three years ago. Like, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. You so I was, think- I was, go ahead. I was definitely thinking about it, right? Yeah. I was definitely thinking about what did he do last year? What did this deer do, you know, last year? And so 10, 2000, <laughs> 2010 shows up. And now he's stretching his legs, man. I mean, this deer is, I remember one day I'm driving down the road on this farm and it's like one o'clock in, on a one o'clock early August in the afternoon, it's like 90 degrees outside. And he's standing in a this grass field, this horse pasture with three other does just eating grass. And I'm just like, everybody is going to know about this deer now, yeah. right? Everybody's going to know. And then so I went and I hung a trail camera right on that fence where he was at it by this horse pasture. Sure enough, he's on there. He's on that, in another trail camera I had, he was on on the draw that led, uh, that I had the other previous two encounters with him. I had another uh, trail camera down in the big X, middle of the big X. I had a picture of him there too. But what the difference is, is... I, I I had a job that year. <laughs> life hit you. Freaking work. Yeah, man. life hit me, right? Uh, you can't just live in your parents' basement forever. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so now I just have, uh, that's all I'm doing is thinking about this deer. He's 200, 210 inches, just this behemoth oh. of a deer, right? And so this year, I'm not able to just go do my thing. I, I, I have to use the vacation. I have to use, um, you know, I have to plan. I have to go do the, the hunting and, or the, you know, the weekend warrior type stuff. I got to f- call in sick. I got to, yep. you know, like I got to do all these things to try to get as much time in the wood as possible. And so like early October, man, just really wasn't uh, – it really didn't. It really didn't happen. I mean, I I, I remember going out, but in 2010, I also gained access to what I call my main farm now. Okay. And 
that was that was a pretty fun bouncing around on that farm learning it um not necessarily the caliber of deer of shipwreck but i also started to realize at this point that i i was part of the problem as far as pressure is concerned i have to lay off yeah i i i got to just wait until it's good to go and hunt and so that really meant only popping in there every once in a while like one one sit here one sit there throughout october just basically to look for sign if there you know if the there was an uptick in rubs or scrapes but i just kind of kept going back to really two stand locations in in 2010 on that farm and that was the uh the one that uh, i passed the 160 in and, and saw him mm-hmm. where the does popped up and then the other one was the center of that big x and the reason i liked the the center of this big x and it was right in the middle of the crp field is it was all low spots yeah and so these deer were popping out staying low and just catching every single thing it was almost like a scent hub right and so all the the air on these northern winds would just come through these low spots and connect right where I was at and then get sucked out the back and these deer would all come walking right in front of me and just they would they could get a nose full of 300 acres in yeah. one area yeah that's what I was gonna so, think is you gotta think the biggest deer on that property or, or I should say most mature deer on the property he can just he just dropping in that bottom like dan just said yep. he sent checking everything within hundreds of yards of them come in there yeah. smells what he wants or what he doesn't want and he's out of there you yep. know, coming into 2010 did you think you needed to spread your wings a little bit more and get more permission or was it like i can really get on him on one of these couple farms that you had permission on yeah so the the two the two so I, I did. I asked around on all the other neighboring properties, and it, they they were no's, you know. Yeah. Um, and so Sam Calora, the in two thousand, you know, um, he really did. I really didn't share the information with him because if mm. there's one guy you don't want to share big deer information <laughs> with him, yeah. it's a guy who who just straight up kills big deer, right? Yeah. And so the dude slays, and he's just a really good guy. Yeah. Um, and so. Uh, Let's see, 2010, man, I'm trying to think here. Uh, there was no, I got trail camera, tons of trail camera pictures of him. There was a period of time in October where he disappeared for a while, but ultimately came back. The quality of um, deer in the area had gone down. So there wasn't like seven booners running around. I think that was, there was him. And then there was one, maybe 150 class 10 pointer. And that was it. Okay, yeah. Still a lot of decent deer running around, and the cool thing about it is one hot doe just brings out, yeah, whatever. I mean, it just, I don't know. It's just it's, it's <laughs> I, awesome to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bar, the bar empties at that point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So basically, so I, I, I went around. I went around, and I started. I I asked every property owner if I could hunt in that area, and um, other than the two that I already had permissions on everybody said no yeah. which wasn't a big deal to me because i i had i had the heart of his property yep or of his core area yep. access to that yeah the the more you were starting to learn about him were you starting to realize that maybe he traveled a little bit more than like in the early st- back in 07 compared to like 2010 
the more you learned, the more you're growing as a hunter, using trail cameras, talking to other locals, where you just starting to put a picture to like, man, he's he's moving farther than I actually would ever think he would be. No. No? Okay. Uh, no. Uh, he actually, I believe, I believe this from his bedroom, if you want to call that block of timber, I don't think he ever left a mile okay. radius. Yeah, really? I, I, I think I think he was tight his whole life. Yep. And that's why he didn't he didn't budge when mm-hmm. he got bumped. That's uh, he just went into this this thicket that nobody else went into. Yep. And he knew that was his safe spot. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, I mean I guess this it's the concept where everyone always kind of refers to it like you know, if if it works for him, why would they leave? You know, keeps right. him alive. Yes. If he's if yep. he's called a, a square mile, let's just call it a square mile home. And for like, if if everyone remembers back in the beginning of Dan's story, this deer may have not never been touched for four years of his life <laughs> in a square mile <laughs> right. at least. You yeah. know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not getting bumped by farmers yeah. or people walking their yep. dogs or and, anything like and that. And if I remember yep. right, Dan, and, and maybe it wasn't, but didn't at one point I. I think I remember in the videos, didn't you find like a, one of his sheds, but it was from like years past? Yeah. So that would have been at the end of 2010. Okay. I got permission to shed hunt the farm to the south, uh, okay. the, the big the big block of timber, the thickness where I believed he was bedding. Okay. And I found and I found his shed from two thousand, like part of his shed from 2009. Yeah, yeah, I can remember that. It kind of all chewed up, but you could, I mean, yeah. it was clear you, as day. You knew it was him. It was him, <laughs> yeah. Yep. What year was that from, that shed, do you know? Nine. Nine? Nine, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so coming into 10, you've got pictures of him, velvet, everything. Now you're into season. You said early October wasn't the greatest. You're just kind of doing your thing, but you have to be more methodical now because you're yep. actually in the work life. So, yep. like, take us through, you know, that latter part of October into November. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't remember much about that portion other than it was just like <clears throat> blinders. Mm-hmm. It was just, that's all I'm thinking about is him, right? And so, um, I, t- I had at that time I'd been I was just brand new to this job and so I told my boss I said listen I'll take this job but I need I need two weeks vacation yeah <laughs> like right off the bat like right. I'm, I'm gonna like I think I started in May and then I I I didn't use any vacation I think I, I may have even started off with like a signing bonus of two weeks instead of earning it they just gave it to you right at the and so you had to work your 60 days or 90 days and then you would get it and then so that's what happened and i got it and then i just blew it all right in (laughs) right in november and so in 2010 man i'm just i'm trying to think of what i like the the day that i actually shot him i didn't see him at all I had some trail camera pictures of him. I think there was one night, no, one morning, there was one morning where I got into the tree stand real early and right at gray light, a buck walked by and in my heart and soul, I said, Dan, that was him. 
That was him. And it was like, and I mean, it was like 10, 15 yards walks by and you could just make out antlers and it was big bodied deer. And man, I just, I just knew it was him. Just knew it was him. Mm -hmm. Couple, couple, a couple more days go by and I'm back in the X in the big CRP field on this scent hub. Uh, And this would have been November 5th because it was my 30th birthday. And, and you were out, weren't out partying. Say what? You weren't out partying then on your 30th? No, man. No. (laughs) Those years are gone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I might've had, uh, you know, I might've had a couple drinks that, that night or the night before. Definitely that night I had quite a few drinks, (laughs) but, but I, I, I get to the stand in the morning. Awesome access route, the exact wind I needed. Had a, a spike buck come through with frost on his back, and it was one of those mornings where it was just sunshiny and 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 the frost and like the the perfect like the perfect morning for a big deer to show up. And so at at about seven forty five eight o'clock, there wasn't anything moving. So I threw the horns together and just cracked them. Like I mean. I don't know if you've ever used some rattling antlers and they start to smell and you're rubbing them, you're smacking them so hard (laughs) together. And so, uh, and so I did that. There was no direct response. And about 45 minutes later, I'm saying it was like right around this eight 45, nine o'clock timeframe. My buddy goes, I think there's a deer coming. I look over and I just said, it's him. And so, wait a second. Wait a second. Up. Go back. Hang on. Yep. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stop you. What yep, time yep. is this? November. November fifth at about eight forty-five, nine in the morning. Okay. So this is a morning hunt. Yep. Yeah. Morning okay. hunt. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Go ahead. And so, and so, I grab my bow. He's at twenty, twenty, twenty-two yards. Oh I draw God. back, and he's just, just. I mean, you could not ask for a more broadside shot. Mm-hmm. Draw back, anchor up, and 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 so at this point, you have 2007, 2008, 2009, all just yep. going through your head at the same time. And here's where the mistake of my life comes in. What should have I been doing to get comfortable shooting deer? Mm-hmm. Shooting deer, yep. right? And so I blacked out, man. I got the I got the rush, I got the buck fever, I got whatever it is, and you're just like like numb. I couldn't think. I all I saw was his rack. I knew it was him. I drew back, anchored up the the kisser button, put the string on the nose. I remember that. Centered it right at right at it. And I did I, I wish I had video of actual not the deer, but me, what I was yeah. actually doing at that time frame. I let one go, hit him. I got some, I got probably about, I'm guessing 10 inches of penetration and it just, the arrow stops and he spins around and he walks away and I just broke. Mm-hmm. Like I just broke down and I was just like, holy shit, man. Like I cannot believe this just happened. And really other than, other than that buck, right? I had... 132 inch uh, seven pointer, and I had a broken rack, you know, five pointer, at, yeah. at, you know, five points 
as as deer so far. Yeah. And so, and so, and then I just hit a 210 incher. Okay. On my birthday, something I'm going to remember forever, and I'm just so excited. You know, I, I got emotional, and uh, my buddy in the tree, he got emotional because he was on this journey with me, Ryan Iberg. You know, everything that I, every time I would uh, talk about this deer, I made sure I called him or or sent him pictures or because he was, I mean, shit, man, he was kind of invested in in this journey with me because he was the guy in the tree with me for most of most of this. Sure, man, and so. I'm just going to fast forward through this part because this is where the excitement goes to what the hell. And, you know, I I at least thought I got one lung. Mm -hmm. And so there was blood. Um, I I don't think we ever found the arrow, but getting into the timber, man, or the CRP, you know, it's hard to find some blood in CRP, but as soon as we get into the timber, then we start to see some leakage. And we see him rub up against a tree, and it's just soaked in blood. And then there's a spot where he stops, and it's just a puddle. And we're like, all right, man, if, if we keep following this type of blood, we're going to find him. And so, and this was after like a three-hour wait where I went and got my buddies and they, you know, some other guys, and they came with me uh, to, to go track this deer. And sure enough, the blood starts to slow and the last drop of blood, he's kind of angling in a certain direction. And then I was just on my hands and knees for what felt like hours. Yeah. And couldn't find him. Mm-hmm. And so I call Sam Calora cause his, his property was over there. And I say, Hey, do you mind if I, did uh, you know Sam you know, at this time? Yeah, I actually went to high school with his his daughter. Okay, okay. gotcha. Yep, yep. And so I said, "Hey Sam, um, do you mind if I hop the fence and go check out this buck?" He says, "As long you can definitely go do it if you have blood. If not, you know, uh, you know, you'd be pushing my property, and that's fair, right?" And For so sure. no blood, no blood at all, and that's how that ended. That's how, I mean, that's honestly how 2010 ended. Season was over. About February 1st, I went out on that property and I dumped about 2,000 pounds of corn <laughs> with, a tra- with a trail camera over top of it. Yeah. And within a week, he was on that trail camera. And, so, and so, so when you, sh- when you, after you shot him and after you couldn't find him, you spent a couple days, right? Because I think if I remember, yep. you went back the next day and you had like, 15 people and you're just grid searching things so you did your due diligence like you yeah. in, in iowa at this time you could not use a dog correct right you could not get no a dog, dog. you yeah. couldn't do none of that which is mind-blowing to yeah. me that yeah. Yeah. you could not do that so you did your due diligence i respect the hell out of you for doing that because I, I take pride in that like yeah you know what i mean like i try to sh- find deer you know what i mean mm-hmm. like so you did that but I want to I want to go back to the shot real quick because <clears throat> I watched the video when you shot this deer like immediately you know you always have like a reaction like shit yeah that was low yeah. shit that was what was your reaction there like where where was your gut telling you where you hit the deer I look back at that moment and I say I don't know if I even realized where I hit it at the time it took 
an adrenaline dump and coming off of that adrenaline, you know, like having a crash to start thinking clearly about what happened. Mm -hmm. And I think my first reaction was it's a bit high, but I felt like it was under the spine. And so I feel like I got at least one lung high, like a high lung shot, maybe with a penetration, maybe just one. But I said to myself, it was, if it was spine, man, I should have been, man, I should have dropped him right where he was at. Right. And so I don't, all my, my, I was just really numb at the time. So it was hard for me to really focus on that. I just, I felt it was high, but I felt it was good. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. So now, you know, you look that day, you look the next day, you spend a lot of time trying to find this thing. When you made that final decision of we're not going to find him, what what are you feeling then? Well, the rest of the season just didn't make sense to me, right? I, I didn't want to be in a tree. Yep. I didn't want to – I mean, I still went hunting for a couple more days before my vacation was over, but I just was like in a – in a state of like paralyzation, if that yeah. makes like, I couldn't, I couldn't think right. I couldn't make decisions anymore. I was just kind of back to an old wake up, getting a tree, not even like, I wasn't even think like all I was thinking about was the shot yep. at yeah. that point. Yeah. You were just going through the process for the rest of the season, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so, and I, and then that was it, man. I mean, vacation vacation over back to work yep and, and did so, you hear anything from neighboring farm sam you know you you felt nope. like the deer maybe ran on sam like you didn't hear anything of this deer after nope no uh i i told sam about it i said hey man this is the you know here this is a big deer i've been that is when i kind of told him the story about this yeah and at this deer. point, Sam has killed like two 200-inch deer in his life. Like he's killed some yes. big deer at that yeah. point, oh, right? His wall is ridiculous. Yeah, both him and his wife. <laughs> just slayers. Yeah. Uh, uh, like just giant deer all over the place, right? Yeah. And so, um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's when I kind of told him the story of him and was like, hey, man, I've been chasing this deer for this many years. And he's like, are you serious? I've never ever seen this buck. No shit. Right? That's wild. He's never, man. yeah, never, never seen him. Wow. And so, uh, like I said, I dumped out the corn in February. I got, uh, I got verification that he was still alive, and then really what it came down to was trying to get his sheds yeah. off that. And I just dumped corn and corn and corn in that in that in hopes that he would drop the antlers on the farms that I had access to. Yeah. And he didn't. And so like 2010 goes by and then the corn ran out, you know, I did the shed hunting, no sheds. Uh, now here we are the 2011 season and, and I, I get one sole velvet picture of him in, I want to say, late June or July. And so now we're talking about shipwreck from 2007 where I, I just didn't have any information about what was yeah. going on anymore. I felt to myself, dude, he's still he's still in the area. I know he is because he's yep. never left. Yep. Right? But he's also never been hurt real bad. And so 2010, this is 
like like I got the phone call, right? It's like oh, it's like <laughs> it's like uh, I don't know. Like I, I hate to compare this to this, but it's like your family member has been in a car accident, right? Yeah. It's like oh, sh- the heart drops and you know you can't. I, I hate to compare it to that, but that's what I felt like. And sure, and so. And so it was October 18th, I believe. And I was at work and I get a call that I didn't recognize. And I said, hey, this is Dan. He goes, Dan, it's Sam. I shot shipwreck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like no hey just just first line out of his mouth is yeah hey, i shot uh, your butt yeah <laughs> uh, and that is so him dude and that's yeah. so him and uh and so i was just like like uh, like you can't talk i couldn't yeah. talk mm-hmm. like yeah. My voice just my every my guts just sank into my asshole. And it was just it was the worst. And and then but you know, I mustered up Congratulations. Dude, I think I, I I I think and you know, at this time, he's in his sixties, different generation, I call him dude. And I'm like, dude, I'm so happy that you shot this buck. And then he tells me the story. And he's just like, Hey man, I got a little I got a little terrain feature that causes a wind tunnel. And out of, and certain winds, right during cold fronts, like a, a cold like cold fronts coming through, these deer just st- tend to like being in this little this little draw. And so I sat up there, uh, thinking tonight just gut feeling was a good night. And long story short, this giant shows up, and I sh- and I I shoot him, and he falls over dead. And I was like. I think that's the shipwreck buck Dan was talking about. <laughs> no and way. So, and so this deer, as a nine, potentially 10-year-old deer, is 200 inches on the button, right? Just this 200-inch gross giant, tight, tighter spread, but just mass and height and everything else that you want in, a, in a, just a big, nasty white tail. Wow. And so... And so you know, when, so he has, he's got a lot of connections. And so he called North American whitetail and he's just like, Hey, I shot a giant. If you're interested in this story, we could do, you know, we could work out a cover, uh, you know, do the cover of it. And so, uh, Scott Bestel, he's a writer, uh, an outdoor writer who is a friend of Sam and a friend of myself. He called me up and interviewed me for this story. And so, it wasn't just the story of Sam showing up and killing him. It was this whole, the whole story of this buck, including the interactions with Sam. Mm-hmm. And I felt that was one of the coolest things because oftentimes you hear these stories of two people becoming divided over a deer, yeah. not, con- not connected. Yeah. yeah. And so I thought that was just an amazing story and, and how we were both like, he got it, dude. He understood. He's been around yeah. the block a couple of times. He he knew that I was disappointed that I didn't shoot the deer. But but I was also happy, but he shared that information with me. He didn't have to sh- yeah. call, you know, call me and share it with me. And I was I was just like if anybody else was going to shoot that deer, I would want it to be that man right there. Yeah. And so, just a great person. And so, fast forward, you know, a couple weeks later, I was back in town trying to finish out the season 
on that new farm that I got access to, I stop in his shop and, and I was just like, I'm trying to talk to him a, a bit and he goes, Hey Dan, come back here. And oh, God. there's the skull cap of shipwreck. And so he ends up letting me hold and touch shipwreck for the first time. And <laughs> grown man breakdown right there. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's just like this, the time and the energy that went into this deer and the amount of knowledge that I gained from this deer, how he lived in this terrain, how he would go undetective, how he would use the wind, how he would basically take advantage of all of his senses to put himself in the right position every single time. And there was, he only made a mistake twice in his whole yeah. life, right? Yeah. Imagine that. It, and it's one, wild, he got wild. Yeah. One he got away with, the other he didn't. Yep. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I actually didn't know that that's the uh, the path that North American Whitetail went with that story, and and you yeah. nailed it because actually, it's it's probably more common nowadays of the divide in two hunters than actually the the yep. two hunters becoming mm-hmm. good for an end story, and uh, that's and how how ironic is this? Okay, you're in such good territory. And Sam didn't even know of the deer, but instantly shoots an unknown giant, and it's got to be that's that shipwreck. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like instant, that's, that's his first thought was, I don't know yep. the deer, but he's so big, he's got to be shipwreck. Yep, that's crazy. Yep, that's wild, man. And like the big thing that I take out of it to kind of piggyback off that is, you know, the friendship. The, like you said, the divide. Oh, yeah. There wasn't a divide there, and 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 also is like what you learned from that deer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you didn't know it at the time, probably, but looking back, it's like, man, I owe a lot to that deer oh, as yeah. far as like how to do this or how to do that. Like, even though you didn't shoot those deer that you passed up and we talked about the the steppings on the ladder, your ladder had just different rungs on it. That's mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Like it yeah. just had it had a different path for you, and that's the reason why you were supposed to do that like that's what i look at yeah like, for you sure know? right because yeah. dan's story is i it's actually his story is unlike any i've heard because you know it, you know quote unquote like getting into big buck hunting mm-hmm. his his was just with a, a rare deer it yep. just happened to be like that was that was his goal that's kind of the first big deer like he encountered with that's what he's decided to hunt and uh yeah, yeah i'm sure he can look back now like he said like that deer whether you know he he looks back and like man I, I hunted that deer four or five years and i didn't shoot a lot but that deer then has made him the hunter he is today. 100 man I, yeah yeah and i'll tell you this there's also a part of me that is glad that i didn't shoot him sure right because you just how do you like i i've talked to people who their first or second buck they ever shot was like 200 inches yep and they straight up say that they have lost interest in hunting because there's nothing that can compare to what they've already done. Yeah. So they've, in their first outing, they have lifetime achieved a, a this animal, which is unfortunate, but that's like, I don't try, I, I try really hard not to think about it that way because that is ultimately what I feel is ruining this. Sure. Uh this sport if you want to call it that 
uh, this big buck uh, antlers inches stuff is ultimately going to turn us into a a, uh, a pay to play type mm-hmm. scenario, and uh, then we just lose it. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, look look at the where the story started with this. How getting permission, going to the county to get a plant book, and then how easy it was. Like I I I don't live where Dan does, but I'm guessing that. That whole story is a lot different nowadays. Oh yeah, oh, it's, it's, oh on absolutely. X. it's right here. Yeah. It's it's like let's pop up on X and see what yeah, yeah. you know who owns yep. this. Let's get the phone number and let's yep. call them. You yep. know. So it, I I guess I just got one more question that I I've been kind of thinking in my head. I'd, I'd love to ask Dan is so since then this is oh seven. You know we're not. I mean Jesus, hard to believe is what. It's a lot of years. Fifteen years ago <laughs> is yeah. uh now looking back. Do you believe that this deer has taught you more than any other deer you've you've hunted or uh, killed so far in your life? I'm going to say yes. Yep. And I'm going to say that what this deer did was it forced me to use my brain mm-hmm. to, to strategize more, to mm-hmm. think, just think about deer movement. Yeah. And open like open my eyes to what I said earlier about observation and, and absorbing information. And so because I had shipwreck and I wanted him, I was focusing on him. But the principles that I was able to take out of that, I can apply to any scenario now. And yep. I can say, oh, you know, here's this terrain feature, here's what deer typically do. Yep. That on top of, you know, twenty plus years in the tree stand now yeah. can can teach you a lot yeah for sure it's it's kind of you know it's not exactly but it's almost like you know you talk about the x on that property then you can copy and paste it all of a sudden you're on maps looking one day and you're like hey look there's that same type of feature and if i if i could hunt this is exactly how i'd hunt it because i've seen you know i've seen shipwreck do this along with the other mature bucks on that property doing that kind of the exact same thing yep absolutely yeah you know i'm like so happy that don't take this the wrong way, Dan. I'm so happy that this happened to you, and I wish it happened to me. And I'm going to say the reason why is because, like you just said, it forced you, he forced you to use your brain. How many times when, even now, we get into the season and it's tunnel vision, mm-hmm. it's here, you know what I mean? And you don't think clearly. And maybe sometimes you don't even use your brain, you know, for... I know it's really weird to talk about, but like you learning that as a young bow hunter, man, I wish I had that. Sure. You know what I mean? Like that's something I've only been able to learn in the last five or six years is to ask yourself why. Yeah. Why? Why did he do this? Why do I need to be there? Why did the wind do this? It doesn't matter. He forced you to do that at a young age or young in your career. I really wish that would have happened to me. Yeah. So like, you know, I, I'm glad it happened to me too, man. I, I just, the amount of information that I, I picked up in that time frame, and, um, and I think what really made this thing so awesome was like the purity of it all. It was a, a hunter versus his prey. And, and I didn't know what I was doing. It was cool because yes, I had some information from some of the magazines that I, I used to watch. Or, listen, or used to read, but I didn't have any real mentors. It was just, it, I didn't really have, there was no podcast. There was no ed, 
you know, education videos back then. It was all just like giant buck hits the dirt, hits the dirt type videos, right? So there's no one really teaching anybody about how to hunt these deer. And so I feel like my education was not diluted. It was all real life experience. And that has stayed with me to, to this day. Yeah. It was, it's almost like, just, it's almost just straight hands-on learning. hundred percent. Exactly. You know what I mean? Not, not listening to something or not watching something, just straight hands-on learning, getting your hands dirty, going out there, doing the failures and learning from them. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. Dan, I, I want to thank you very much for doing this, man. And first, before we get off here, let everybody that's listening to this know where they can find you, find this hunt, because I know it's out there, and everything you're doing with your podcast, your network, all that stuff. Will you just take 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 a second here and just plug everything? Yeah. I'm really not sure where the video can be found at anymore. It's on your YouTube you. channel. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Thank you. The, so you can go find the sport, the sportsman's empire YouTube channel to find this hunt. It's in there somewhere. Um, if you hit sportsman- videos and scroll all the way down, it's like a 2010 video. I, I, I was down a rabbit hole the other day and I'm like, I got to find this yeah. thing. So I, it's okay. there. I actually think okay. he may or he may or may not been wearing a cape in that video. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I could have been that was back in the days like shit was crazy back then it was crazy back then i not to interrupt you but i was actually telling aaron i said man i said i can remember watching those videos i think i think dan would like take a piece of a t-shirt or something just he'd pull it straight over his face for a face mask that's awesome oh yeah it was so funny (laughs) i told you earlier about how i was an idiot for most of my life right (laughs) so so then so then uh we have the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network, that's the network that the Nine Finger Chronicles, the Hunting Gear Podcast, and a whole bunch of other um, hunting you know, hunting podcasts and content is on. So uh, just go, ch- all you got to do is Google it, and you'll find it, and uh, listen away. Awesome, Dan. Well, thank you very much, man, and uh, I know we'll do this again. Just had to break the ice after podcasting for how long and haven't had you on there i mean you're one of the ogs man i apologize for that it's on me so it's all good man it's all good <laughs> but thank you very much dude i greatly appreciate this hey man i really appreciate it you guys have an excellent podcast and keep doing what you're doing thanks man have a good one man